Hello, and welcome to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show about the law and its impact on our lives. As always, thank you for listening. Here's your host for today. I'm here with Ed Trevet, Harris Beach partner and co-leader of the firm's education industry team, and Alan Winchester, leader of the firm's cybersecurity practice and chief development officer at CITRA, a cybersecurity compliance company and wholly owned Harris Beach subsidiary. Ed and Alan are going to discuss New York State's push to strengthen data security and privacy via New York State Education Law 2D and what school districts need to know in order to maintain compliance. Ed, I'll start with you. New York State Education Law 2D has been on the books since 2014, but Part 121 of the Commissioner's Regulation is forthcoming. Tell us about the difference between the two and what is Part 121 designed to do? Well, Education Law 2D, as you said, has been on the books since 2014, and it's designed to protect personally identifiable information, or what we call PII, of both students and also the APPR data of teachers and administrators. APPR being the Annual Performance uh, Professional Performance Review. So the PII stuff is not precisely new. I mean, there's already definitions in FERPA, which is the Federal Educational Rights and Privacy Act that have been around for years. Those are incorporated into Section uh, Education Law Section 2D. But with respect to the regulation, many of the many laws, including Education Law 2D, have provisions that require the agency that enforces them. In this case the uh, state education department, to go ahead and implement regulations to enforce the statute. And as you will see in most cases, when you've got an agency adopting regulations, much of the language they take, they transplant right out of the law, the statute, into the regulation in some fashion. So that's what we have here. Part 121 had been proposed. It was went through a comment period. It's now had revisions made to it. And we think it's going to come out in the very near future and should have an implementation date of July 1st of 2020. Basically, what the regulation does is it fleshes out the law to some degree. For example, in the, in the regulation, you'll see that educational agencies, which include BOCES and school districts and so forth, they have to provide data protection officers, and they're also required to do some training. So those are some of the things that are addressed in the regulations more specifically. If you look at the two together, Ed Law 2D and Part 121, those are basically going to set out the requirements for educational agencies. And also, though, it gets to third-party vendors who have some access to protect the data, the PII, if you will. They have various requirements, um, uh, must be published. For example, you have to create a parent's bill of rights for data privacy and security notice. And that's something that has to be published on the school's website. Also has to be included in every contract you have with a third party vendor that receives protected data. And to give you an example of what that might be, a lot of BOCES and school district use a, a product called Ames Web. Uh, which houses a lot of student data, PII data. Those are sort of um, long and the short of what the regulation and the law are designed to do. And clarify again for us, when do school districts need to be in compliance? The thought is right now, the, the proposed regulation, which we assume is going to be adopted soon because it's already been revised once, uh, is looking at a July 1, 2020 date per the, the revised regulations that were just published in the register on this past July 31st. Although probably 2D is the law, right? I mean, you're right. You're no 100% on that. 2D is the law, and as I said, it contains most of these requirements already because the regulation is again takes those requirements out of the law and then amplifies them to some degree. But it doesn't change the the law that's already there. 
Yeah, so it's like what you see in 121 is the commission's idea of how to execute on, on Education Law 2D, but you still need to comply with Education Law 2D. So whether you do it in July or you do it now or you do something different now with an idea of what's coming in July, you need to do something now to comply with 2D if you're not already. Yes, if you are not already compliant, you should be doing something to get compliant. Um, absolutely, because you know data breaches are more, becoming more and more prevalent, and these the, the, this law and the regulation are exactly designed to deal with those issues that try to prevent those sorts of things. A question I'd like to pose to both of you: Why is data privacy and security critical in an education setting, and how might the compliance or penalties for lack of compliance differ between the private sector? In an education setting. Well, I'll jump in first, I guess, Alan. Yeah. Uh, private sector, you have the possibility of lawsuits. Uh, you had Equifax for their breach, 146 odd million social security numbers. They settled lawsuits for something amounting to $650 million. You're not going to see that under Education Law 2D, at least with respect to school districts and educational agencies, because they are exempted. There's no third party action. There's no possibility of suing them directly. Now, that doesn't mean they won't have other sorts of liability and, and things like that from the breach of data and, and that sort of thing. But in the public sector, they don't have direct liability. However, the 30-party vendors do with whom they have contracts and who deal with student and other PII. So the third-party vendors can have civil penalties of it's the greater of $5,000 or $10 per student, teacher, and principal to a maximum of a quarter million dollars. So the penalties, the civil penalties against the third-party vendors who don't comply and are responsible for breaches can be pretty hefty. So that's the quick answer as far as the liability question goes. But why is it so important? Obviously, school districts house a lot of sensitive personal information. They've got kids' names, their birth dates. They have social security numbers. They have all this panoply of information that just simply can't be allowed to get out. And if it does, that can cause a big problem. I know, for example, Alan has helped one of our clients. We've had a couple local educational agencies, who shall rename nameless, uh, who had data breaches. And one of the things that Alan was instrumental in doing is, is, is jumping in and helping them deal with that breach situation because there are public relations issues. There are all sorts of issues that attend to that. So uh, at this point, I'll let Alan jump in a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, so the first thing I'd say is for the third-party vendors, you know, they're, they feature prominently both in Education Law 2D and in 121. And there's certainly liability provisions for those third-party vendors set forth in both of those laws. $10 or student record if you fail to notify of a breach or, you know, the penalties if it's found that the cybersecurity compliance program was lacking are bad under the law. But I don't think that the law is preemptive. So you could, in addition to the, the penalties levied by the Department of Education, you could see penalties by FTC or others, depending on the, the magnitude of the breach. So. Certainly, there's some liquidated damages for third-party vendors under, under both the regulation and the law. I think it's bigger than that, though, for the third-party vendors. For the state, two reasons why it's important. First is, you know, the type of information we're protecting here, it's, it's information about the students that, you know, we have as a society and as a governmental agency a duty to protect. And I think it would be very um, damning to the school district, the trust it has within its community, the the mission it has to act as as sort of local parents to you know and protect children for the for the hours that they're in the school it would be very bad uh, 
in terms of its, its fulfilling that mission were it to let this very sensitive private information about the student that you know, it compiles, go out to the public and, and also very upsetting, I'm sure, to the principals and teachers whose data is exposed. So it's a, you know, there's a, there's a very strong drive, I think, for the individuals in the, uh, in the school districts to make sure that that information remains private. And there's very strict civil penalties for the third party vendors to make sure. And Alan, I'm sure you could go into a, a considerable amount of depth answering this question, but at a high level, what specific steps need to be taken by a district to ensure compliance with either Part 121 or Education Law 2D? Education 2D requires that the districts implement uh, sufficient uh, administrative, physical, and technical controls to protect the data and has a number of contractual requirements that they need to put into any agreement they have with third-party vendors and certain information disclosures that they need to make to parents and, and, quote, eligible, close quote, students who are students over the age of 18. You know, I'm going to let Ed go into the, the nitty gritty details on, on those requirements of it. But one of the, the pieces we're seeing in education law, uh, rather in the regulation uh, 121, is the requirement that they implement the NIST uh, CSF framework for those businesses as well as a number of contractual clauses that need to be in any contract that a district has with third parties and a number of behaviors that the district needs to have when it is processing or utilizing student data and what it can and can't do with that. So in addition to the NIST CSF framework and implementing controls around that, you also need to have a number of additional controls beyond the CSF that deal with the privacy and the handling of that data. So it's sort of a two sides. One is do this not insignificant task of implementing the NIST framework and, and all the, the elements that are, are set forth in that. And secondly, treating the data in a very special way. Yeah, as you can see from the regulations and the law, when you look through it, I mean, I, I basically think of this as two different buckets, things that educational agencies have to do specifically, and then things that are implements uh, requirements that flow to third-party vendors, but they're very detailed. For example, uh, educational agencies, they can't sell PII, they can't use it or disclose it, so forth and so on. As Alan said, there's very detailed requirements that you have to include provisions in contracts that prohibit uh, using or disclosing PII and so forth. Uh, you also have to create as an agency, a, a school district or an educational agency, you have to create uh, compliance handling, uh, complaints, uh, how you handle complaints from parents and so forth. You have to publish various documents on your website that include that parents' bill of rights we spoke about earlier, as well as how the PII is going to be used. Uh, you have to have the security privacy program that, as Alan said, adopts the NIST, N-I-S-T, framework. Uh, I always like to spell those things out. Uh, you have the security privacy policy that you have to develop. You have security and privacy training on an annual basis that people who handle PII have to go through. So you have to make sure you're compliant with that. Uh, you also have to have your own data protection officer. Uh, now, interestingly enough, SED has come out and said that you can outsource. You can't completely outsource that function of a data privacy officer, but you can certainly contract with a third party, such as a CETRA, as we'll get into in a minute, to help your data compliance uh, off your data protection officer, excuse me, uh, comply with all the uh, requirements we have in 2D and Part 121. And then you have your breach notifications, which again, 
That's something Alan helped one of our clients deal with recently. And then the third-party contractors, they're also required to adopt the same NIST framework because that's the thing that protects this data. So there's a lot to it, um, and it's, it's a pretty complicated area, and it's something you have to be careful about when you're figuring out how you're going to comply so that you don't get caught unawares or you don't have loopholes here and there uh, where you're missing something that you should have been doing. Clearly, there's a significant burden on the school districts uh, when it comes to this scenario. So let's talk a little bit about how Harris Beach and how CITRA can help. Alan, maybe we'll start with you. You know, we mentioned your role with CITRA. Talk to us a little bit about how CITRA and its tool Symmetric can help. Every district is going off and, and trying to implement either 121 or 2D in their own way, it's gonna be very hard for the district that's breached to explain why its way was better in light of that breach than another district that hadn't been breached. So if you know there's a sort of coordinated, consolidated approach to this that starts as the baseline that can be handled through you know, a BOCES or a RIC and can be applied across multiple districts, then you're going to see a benefit in the sense that here's a standard approach that they do. And what we tried to do with Symmetric was define both the NIST controls from their, they have a publication out there called SP853, which probably just put everyone listening to this to sleep. But there's a, there's a very defined set of controls that are discrete things that you can do. So you either are doing those things or you're not doing those things. And what we've done is tried to identify all of those little discrete things that if you do, you can now say with certainty that you're complying with Education Law 2D and you're complying with the Regulation 121. And if each district is doing those things, then the district can say, I did the requirements that were defined by, by CITRA and Symmetric, by the law firm that did the mapping, you know, by the attorneys that are speech, by the BOCES that uh, you know, adopted these things, you have the ability then to adapt so that if you know this is a new regulation, it's going to be a little fluid at the beginning as to what we think we're going to do. We can then put changes into the model that gets pushed out to each district because it's going to each whenever there's a change or a significant impact or a finding or, or guidance coming out, we update the model. Every district that's seeing the Symmetric platform We'll know, okay, let's here's what we got to do differently in light of this new regulatory guidance that we've gotten from the Department of Education, in light of a court decision, in light of you know what happened with FERPA. We can start coordinating this approach so there's there's a herd and you're not like way outside of the herd without the protection of the herd. You can sort of run in the middle. And, and if your district requires you to move a little bit, you can move to the perimeter of the herd, but you're still running with the herd. You're not off in some crazy place. Well, and under the Symmetric program that I've seen, if you are different from the herd, it's because you had a thoughtful reason, basis for doing so. And that also shows up as part of your due diligence. This Education Law 2D and Part 121, they're an unfunded mandate. It's just one more thing that school districts and BOCES and charter schools have to do. And they have to spend employee time and money and develop expertise and so forth. They say that there's no, the regulations specifically say, well, there's really no extra cost to school districts. Well, the way they're able to say that is because the law already exists and it has for five years. And so technically that's correct. Practically speaking, you're going to have to add an FTE or two to try to deal with this law intelligently and manage the training and all the other requirements that go along with it. So if you have something like a symmetric product, 
uh, it basically is a very efficient way to let you comply with this unfunded mandate and comply with your obligations under Part 121 in Education Law 2D uh, without spending a ton of resources. You can probably save yourself the better part of a, an FTE or two by using something like that. And then having your privacy officer that you have to appoint be the quarterback and make sure that it's being updated and, and doing the due diligence to make sure it's working properly. Uh, but it's a very efficient way to comply with those uh, this new legal uh, obligations are very detailed. As far as Harris Beach goes, I mean, our role is as usual. I mean, if you're not doing a symmetric and you're doing something else, we obviously can do, help you reveal your parents, re review parents' bill of rights and those sorts of things. Uh, and as I said, Alan has already stepped in, at least with one of our clients, when they had a data breach to help them through that and help them figure out, you know, not just the legal stuff, but we also help with the, the PR aspect of it and stuff like that. I've counseled a client myself on a data breach issue. So that's sort of where we come in from a legal perspective. And the other way we add value, as Alan, I think, has alluded to, is that the symmetric tool is developed through Harris Beach. And Alan is like the chief cyber attorney here um, so that we know that the, the regulations are being properly mapped, that the controls are being properly created. Uh, and properly updated on a real-time basis so that you can have some confidence that you're complying and you're going to continue to comply and take this monkey off the back, so to speak. Yeah, and I guess I'd add one piece, you know, following up on a, on a point Ed made, is that, you know, a lot of organizations are doing security. You know, they're patching their servers, they're, they're, they have firewalls, they have virus, they have, you know, all sorts of stuff they do and they fix things when they break. A lot of organizations are having trouble that they're, you know, showing that they're doing security. So, you know, part of compliance is documenting and showing. And what we tried to build into Symmetric is, is for the controls and the, the discrete procedures and policies that comply with 2D and 121, there's, a, there's the ability to document then in the tool that you've tested these controls and record any findings if if you know they don't work perfectly, you can then show here's where we are, and then you can work to improve. Before we wrap, any other thoughts? I guess the thought I'd give is, you know, 2D is the law now. You have to do a lot of the things already that are outlined in 121, which is, you know, an implementing regulation. But just because it isn't yet adopted yet formally, it doesn't mean that the ideas in it don't exist. And if it once it is implemented, you know, if it goes into effect in July of 2020, that these are the things you got to do. That may seem like a fair amount of time, but for the number of controls and the scope of this regulation, which is enormous, um, it's not that much time. So this draft is here, it's published. Um, I would I would urge people, both the third parties that are that are going to have to comply with it as well as the districts, that it's it's better to start now rather than try to do it in a panic in July or June. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, that, that date of July 1st, 2020 sounds like a long way off. It's really, it's it's basically tomorrow. And the, the regulations, I don't anticipate them changing in any degree, degree, if any, from what they are right now. So we really know what the law is. The law has been around since 2014. We know almost with 95% certainty what the regulations are going to require. Uh, and there's no reason not to address this now because it's, it is complicated. And uh, if you don't jump on it, uh, you're going to be caught unawares and you don't want to be that district or that BOCES uh, that hasn't fully implemented these things and then has an incident. 
as Alan said, if you have an incident and you've done all this stuff, that's not so bad because stuff happens. Everybody, you know, hackers get, get into a lot of places these days, including government agencies and stuff. Yeah, the ransomware. The ransomware. Municip municipalities perfect. are getting hammered by ransomware right now. They're getting hammered. And, and, and so this is just one of those things that you have to pay attention to. Um, and if you're so inclined, Symmetric is certainly a tool, a great tool that can take this issue off your plate. Well, I thank both of you for the overview. Extremely helpful. For more information, including how to contact Ed and Allen, visit www.citra.io. That's C-A-E-T-R-A dot I-O. And I thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach Podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.